sports. Let me tell you one thing that I loved about being on a team. So uh, back when I was in high school, I joined the football team. It was short-lived. We're not going to talk about that. Let's just say I was on the team. I had a uniform, okay? I went to practice. We're not going to talk about how many games I played, but the fact of the matter is I was on the team. And the beauty of being on the team is that it didn't matter where you were from. It didn't matter your background. All that mattered is if you get on that field, if you get on that court, are you going to show up? Are you going to show up? I played uh, soccer in college. I played more games then. I was actually pretty good there. Played college soccer, and I loved it. There were people on our team from different backgrounds, different uh, just family, familial upbringings and all of that. But what mattered is if we got on the field, it doesn't matter where you were from, what background you had, all that mattered was when you got on the field, were you going to show up? And it's the same thing in pro sports, right? Pro sports have people from different backgrounds. In pro sports, it doesn't matter whether you have a a D1 school background on your name. It doesn't matter if you went to college for some sports. Some sports, it doesn't matter where you went to school or what you did. It doesn't matter whether you grew up affluent in the suburbs or you grew up in abject poverty. None of that stuff matters because the playing field is level ground. All that matters is when that light shines on you on that big game, are you going to shine? Are you going to reflect that light that's been shined on you? Are you going to show up? Are you going to give your all? That's what I love about team sports. But here goes the reality about that athlete playing a sport. No matter how good they are, no matter how much they shine, they're absolutely nothing without their team. No one can shine without a team. Now, I know there's somebody in here who, as soon as I just said that, I was like, ha, I got you. Tennis players, they're not on a team. Golfers, they're not on a team. But they have to have some sort of platform. There's a sport that they're affiliated with because it doesn't matter how good of a golfer you are. I bet you there's thousands and thousands of excellent golfers, thousands and thousands of excellent basketball players. But if they don't have a team or if they don't have a platform, we never hear about them. There are probably some basketball players in here like Lewis. (laughs) Lewis hates being told that he plays basketball. Height is a waste. No, I'm joking. I love you, Lewis. <laughs> but what does this have to do with the Bible? What does this have to do with our faith? What does this have to do with Jesus? Everything. Absolutely everything. And let me show you why. Today we're going to be in the book of Matthew to open up this series, chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's cool. We've got, bi- we've got this... Uh, the, the Bible house crew will pass out a Bible to you, but we also have the words on the screen as well, too. We're going to dive into Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. 
So what we're going to do first is we're going to read the whole uh, verses, all three verses, and then we'll break them down a line by line. That's what we love to do here at Relevant Church where we are expositional teachers. Um, that's like a big church word that says we preach the Bible verse by verse, line by line, word by word. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. This is Jesus talking, and he's saying, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So as he's uh, telling these individuals this, let me give you a little background. Jesus has just started his ministry. He's called his first disciples. His first followers have just started following him. He's gone uh, to the fishermen, uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John. He's like, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They're like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. Let's roll with this guy. And so they start following him around, and he's going from town to town. He's going from city to city. He's going from church to church or synagogue to synagogue because they were Jews, and he's proclaiming about the coming kingdom of God. And everybody's super intrigued by Jesus at this point because this guy teaches with a certain level of authority that they've not seen teach uh, anyone else teach, any other religious leaders teach. So they're captivated by him. And so these crowds begin to gather, and he sees this opportune moment where there's a large crowd in front of him. And this is where he begins this discourse that they call the Sermon on the Mount. He's seated there, and he's about to give them Christianity 101. Following Jesus 101, 10 steps to following Jesus. He's just about to break it down as simple as possible. And that's where we find this text. It's in the middle of all of this. He's just been telling them about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he talks about how their sight, their salt to the earth, and they shouldn't lose the flavor because if they lose their flavor, how are they going to uh, uh, flavor this world? And then he gets into the space where he ta- starts talking about being the light of the world. And that's where we capture today's message. He begins like this. You are the light of the world. He says, you are. You are the light of the world. Now, here goes the deal. This, this is the thing that we've got to uh, uh, put together and understand from the get-go. He's talking to a group of people. He says, you are the light of the world, not individually, collectively, you are the light of the world. Your light is not a solo mission. It's a collective movement. You are the light of the world. Another thing that we see is that this crowd is a bunch of diverse people. There's believers in Yahweh, the Jewish God, God of heaven and earth. There are people who don't believe there. There are people who are skeptical about this whole religion and faith thing. 
There are people who are skeptical of Jesus. There's people who are there who are battling with issues in their life that they're trying to wrestle through. There are people who are uh, uh, wrestling with deep sin. There's other people who are wrestling with marriage issues. There are people who are wrestling with anger issues. Everybody is is sitting in the same audience. But he says, you are the light of the world. Imagine if this was a time like this, there's probably individuals uh, in there who are dealing with rejection. They're dealing with uh, sexual identity issues. In- individuals are uh, dealing with sexual orientation issues. And Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. It's the same thing in church. We can't assume that everybody who's sitting here is a Christian. We can't assume that everyone who hears us share the gospel is a believer. We can't always assume that only people who are Christians are going to hear me or listen to me. Jesus has a crowd full of people from different backgrounds, and he's saying, you are the light of the world. Jesus begins with the why. Before he tells them how they're going to be the light of the world, before he tells them what exactly they're going to be involved in, he gathers this group of people and he says, you are the light of the world because vision precedes practice. How are they going to know what they're going to do or how they're going to get there if they don't know what they're working towards? How can we stop them from from hearing the why? Because if they don't understand the why, they'll never understand how to get there. And when they get there, they won't understand why, and it's going to fall flat, and they're going to move on. So vision precedes practice. And here's the reality. Jesus has a plan for every single one of us here. Whether we feel it or whether we don't feel it, whether we believe in Jesus, whether we at the point in our lives where we don't believe in Jesus, whether we got issues going on in our life or whether our issues have already passed, whatever situation that we're in, no matter what age you are, no matter what level of Christianity or non-Christianity you're in, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Know your why. And God has always picked people to be the light of the world. In every phase of society, in every uh, generation, God always raises up a group of people to be the light of the world. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 42, 6. This is God talking to a group of people called the Israelites, calling, talking to these individuals called the Jews. He says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. You are the light of the world. And if you know anything about the Israelites and their Jews, these were the most dysfunctional, ornery, disrespectful people in the world. God had called them apart to be a special people, and all they did was ever rebel that call. 
They always went against what God was calling them to be. But yet he said, you will be a light to the nations. Vision precedes practice. I need you to know your why. See, in this day, he's called the Christian church. And I know for some people that, that may rub people wrong. You know, we've, Christianity has been, you know, seen in so many different light. And there's been a lot of mistakes that Christianity has made. And so when we say uh, God has called Christianity to be to the light of the world, it may rub us a little wrong. Well, let me just tell you what Christianity is. It just means followers of Christ. Followers of Jesus. We are passionately following Jesus. That's it. It's as simple as that. John 8, 12. This is interesting, though. Look at what Jesus says in John 8, 12. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Interesting. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's just connected himself to a group of ornery, crazy, no good, messed up people who are still in trying to figure things out. And he says, you're the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Why would he do that? Point number one, if you're following along, the church is now the physical representation of Jesus on earth. We are not the creators of the light. We're not the light itself. All we do is reflect the light. And you and I get to have the greatest opportunity to give witness to the fact that Jesus is relevant. That Jesus is real, that he is the savior, he he is Lord, and he does change lives, and he does impact culture, and he does fulfill his word in our life. But he goes a deal. We do it collectively, not individually. You are the light of the world. We all have a piece of light. But when we come together, we are the light of the world. Then he goes on to say in the same verse, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In this city on a hill, picture a, a, a community that's set at a prominent place in the land. A place that everybody sees. Everybody sees. And it's funny that he uses the term city because when we think about cities, what do we think? Populated. Innovation. Creativity. Culture. Diversity. Inspiration. Resources. All these things come out of cities. It's funny. We um, are talking about uh, just... The interesting thing about cities, culture, and diversity, we land into L.A. this past summer, and we decided to go to the, um, uh, to the mall because Sarah's flight was taking 30 years to get there, and everybody was tired, and Sarah's like, sorry, it just got delayed. I'm like, come on, girl. So we went to the mall, 
like any other smart people would do. We go hang out at the mall, and um, the thing that I noticed immediately was uh, when I walked through those doors, there was not one dominant culture. It was like a melting pot, literally, like everybody was there. And this is what he's saying. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He's calling them the light of the world. They are a city. They're supposed to be a place of culture, diversity, innovation, inspiration. And listen to this. God's church is supposed to be the most visible, well-respected, sought-after entity on the planet because of its culture-shaping commitment to reflecting the attributes of God on earth. So what does it look like if we are a city on a hill? What are some of those attributes that we have? Uh, Some of the attributes of God, goodness, goodness to all people, not only goodness to people we like, goodness to people who are different from us, just good. We just got to be good to people. Can we just be good, y'all? Yeah, so they're Muslims. So what? Let's just be good to them. They're gay, they're lesbian, they're straight, transgender. What, let's just be good. Can we just be good? Why, why do we have to put up requirements? You've got to fit this mold. No, God is good. His light shines on everybody. The sun comes up on the righteous and the sun comes up on the unrighteous. God is just good. Grace, graciousness to the undeserving. People who've treated us wrong. People who have uh, uh, maybe uh, talked about us, people who have treated us unkindly, uh, uh, people who've uh, just made us feel very uncomfortable, people who've just been wrong to us. And Jesus is like, listen, be gracious. I was gracious. I came to an earth where people were going to reject me and the same people I was going to die for put me on the cross. Grace. What would it look like for you to be gracious in your life? What would it look like for you to be holy in your life? Holiness. God says, I'm holy. Be holy for I am holy. Talking about honoring God's holiness, honoring God with our lives. Do the things that we surround our lives with, do they give glory and honor to God? Are we being, bringing holiness into the presence of God and saying, God, I'm honoring you with holiness because you are holy omniscience, this word that just means God is all-knowing, he's wise, he's wisdom, he's got the creative power. What did it look like for the church to be the creative beacon in culture? We're always looking at everybody else. We're always looking at everything else. What happens when people start looking at the church and saying, my God, the creativity, the music, the culture that's coming out of this is incredible. The oneness of God. We believe in one God coexisting in three persons. One God. What would it look like for the church to be one, unified, and not bickering and backbiting? What would it look like for Presbyterians and Methodists and Calvinists and just hang out? We're one. What would it look like for Hope Community Church and, 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 and Bethel and, and Summit and where we're just like, look, we're just one church in different locations. The oneness of God, a city on a hill, verse 15. 
He says, you, you are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Can I tell you something? When I was growing up, I did not like lampshades. I never understood the point of a lampshade. And every time my mother would get me a lamp in my room and she'd get this, there'd be a lampshade in the room. She would walk in and the lampshade would be off and she'd be like, why do you keep taking off the lampshade? Because it's covering the light. Isn't the point of the light supposed to illuminate the room? I mean, there used to be some times where I would take off the little, uh, whatever, the bowl that sits over the clear bowl. And I was just like, take it off. I'm like, why am I covering the light? I need more light. Why would you? Create a light and put a cover over it. And, and his, he's talking, he's using these words of lights and in homes. The Jewish listeners that are sitting there are understanding this. Why? Because they knew that in their homes, see, the Jews, they, they were a poor people. In, in fact, as he's talking, they're being oppressed by the Roman guard. They are, they are, they're literally just subjected to Roman government. And so they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of resources. So right there in their house, all the lights that were in the house were really small so they needed to be placed on prominent areas so that everybody could be able to see in the light because if you have a small little light and you throw it under a cover eventually it gets snuffed out or it does no good God says the world is big and if we're real if we're real we're pretty small you and I are pretty small Think about it. We're, most of us, unless you work for a faith-based institution, are the cultural minority in terms of faith in our, in our jobs. We're the culture minority in our schools if we don't go to a Christian school. And shoot, even in some Christian schools, we may be. Listen, I went to a Christian school. There was very few believers in that Christian school. Let me just be honest. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, no, do people place a light under the basket, but put it on a stand and it gives light to all the house. Listen, point number two, the world is big. And you may be little, but your influence doesn't have to be small. You may be little, but your influence doesn't have to be small. What we got to do is we got to live life out loud. We've just got to be us. We've got to not be afraid to be who we are in Christ every day. Well, you know what? I understand that's what's going on. I kind of I don't get down like that. I'm not meaning any shade on anyone. I'm not throwing any shade to anyone. But listen, this is I just kind of don't get down like that. Hey, man, that's great. You know what? I just I, I can't participate. But listen, I love you guys. I'll hang out with you guys later. You may be little, but your influence doesn't have to be small. You may be the only light that people see. But here goes the deal. If it's just you, it's easy to snuff it out. That's why we don't do this Christian life on our own. That's why Jesus says, you are the light. He didn't say Della. You're the light. Everybody else, you know, just kind of help them out. But you're the light. Because you know what? Della's life sometimes is going to get 
tough. And people are going to come and they're not going to want to listen to Della. But if Nina's standing next to her, then they've got to snuff out Nina and Della. But what if Rosalind is there? What if Jennifer's there? What happens if Danae's there and Liz and Christina is there? Now it's hard to snuff out this light because we're coming as a unified front saying, Jesus is relevant. Verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you've been around Relevant for some time, you hear me say this over and over and over. Our faith is for us, but it's not about us. God has created us for good works. So others may see the light and glorify God. Ephesians 2.10 puts it like this. For we are his workmanship talking about Jesus' workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Followers of Jesus are the streetlights that lead to the city on a hill. You meet Christine, and then you meet Susanna, then you meet Rod and Kyla, and you're just like, man, there's something about these people. There's something about the way they live their life. I want to follow whatever they've got in their life. And God's people begin to be the streetlights that bring people to the city on a hill. That's the church that fully reflects the light of Christ. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus telling them there's a mission ahead. And it's not individual. You are the light. Collectively. And listen to this. The mission of God, I think we have this. The mission of God is lived out through a group of people working in tandem for the good of others and the glory of God. Point number three, Jesus extends himself to the world through his church. And here's the bottom line. We are that church. See, we're we're made up of of different people coming from different backgrounds with different levels in our faith journey. None of us have arrived. We're just like the crowd sitting there. None of us have made it. But Jesus has given us our mission. He's given us our why because we are called to be the light of the world. So we come together with different uh, backgrounds, different cultures, different situational uh, upbringings where we bring flavor to what God is doing. And together we show this amazing mosaic of lights just showing and, and expressing the glory of our God. We are that church. We're a group 
of people passionately and obediently following Jesus so that we can reflect his life and his light to the world because Jesus is relevant and the world needs to know this. We are that church. And check it out, Jesus is calling you into that. Jesus is giving us the opportunity to join him at work. He doesn't want you to just be a person in a crowd. He wants you to be a light bearer amongst other light bearers. But you can't do it alone. You won't be able to. You see, trying to be a light bearer on your own, just saying, you know, I kind of don't need this church stuff. You know, I understand. Like, I'll come to church when it's convenient for me. I think Jesus knows my heart. I'm, I'm good. You don't need church to be a Christian. You know what? That's trying to live on battery power. What happens to a battery when it's all by itself? It dies. But Jesus says he's the light of the world. And he's called the church to be the light of the world, to reflect that light. So we've got to plug into the source because the church is connected to Jesus and he doesn't do anything outside of the church. You are the light of the world. And God's mission is cultivated and lived out through the context of the local church. Three years ago, God put it on my wife and I's heart to plant a life-giving church in Niles, Michigan. We didn't pick the city. We said, God, we'll go wherever you call us to go. We'll do whatever you tell us to do. You know, if if we're real, we wanted to go to the city. We wanted to go somewhere large and populated. We wanted to go to a place of influence, of culture, of diversity. And God called us to not. And when we wrestled with them, we said, God, why do you want us to go here? Of all places, he gave us Isaiah 43, 19. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Don't you perceive it. Jesus wants a church that passionately follows him, that forgets religion and finds God. A church that proclaims that Jesus, above all, is relevant. A church that keeps the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus is the light of the world. Don't you perceive it, y'all. Jesus wants a church where people learn to love across boundaries. 
where you find that what unites us is much deeper than what separates us, a place where you'll find people from all types of backgrounds coming together. Think about it. You've got a pastor with Zambian origin, a worship leader from Toronto by way of the West Indies. You've got a keyboardist from Jamaica. You've got a keyboardist from Cameroon. You've got a guitarist from Bangladesh, a guitarist from Brazil. Talk about the United Nation love across boundaries. Don't you perceive it? I am doing a new thing. And he wants a church that knows that these four walls don't make up the church. We are the church. Where two or three are gathered, he is there also. We are the church. And so we're passionately trying to make a tangible difference in our community, region, and world. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't stuck behind walls. He knew that this, that all this is just a facade. This is, this is just a building, y'all. This is just a place of gathering. Church takes place in homes that regroup. Church takes place when we're sitting down eating at Carabas last night. Church takes place when we're out bowling safe house. Church play, it takes place when you, you go visit uh, Jerry over at his shop and you're hanging out and talking to him like, Jerry, you're doing a great job here. We are that church. And there's two people in here. There's one individual who's not made a decision to follow Jesus yet. You've been in the crowd. And you've heard the fact that you're the church. And maybe you've never heard it like that. And today we want to tell you, you are the church. You are the light of the world. Doesn't matter what baggage you're bringing to the table. We're all messed up. But we vision precedes practice. So I'm just going to invite you into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ today. Jesus wants to let you know that he loves you. That he knew you before you got in here. That it's not by chance that you're sitting in this space today. It doesn't matter whether you believe or don't believe or skeptical or whatever the case may be. This is what he's saying. Welcome home. You are the light of the world. If that's you today, I just want you to check it off in your connection card. We want to follow up with you. We want to give you some resources to next steps. God is calling you to be on mission with him. He's giving you the why. And then the last person here. This is somebody who's been around here for a while. Maybe you've been going to Relevant for quite some time. You haven't plugged into regroups. You haven't plugged into serving. Maybe you haven't even given anything. And God is saying, I've got a mission for you, but you'll never be able to accomplish it on your own. You will never be able to live out the mission that I've called you to be the light on your own. And he wants to welcome you home too and say, hey, listen, plug in. 
plug into the source, his church, because that's his body. And you know what? Maybe you're not from around here. Maybe uh, relevant is not the church for you. Maybe it's somewhere else. This is what I'm going to say. Plug into a church, a life-giving church that teaches the Bible. doesn't matter where. It could be the church down the street. God bless. I'll be excited. Because we're one church. And we've got to be on mission. So let me pray over this as we get ready to go into baptism. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the individuals sitting in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you've already called the mission over our lives. You've written the vision for us. We are the light of the world. I pray, God, that we'll take up the mantle. That in the city of four flags, the brightest light that will shine will be the banner of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the individual here who doesn't know really where they stand with you. And God, I pray that today they'll just make a decision and say, I'm just going to follow this Jesus. I'm going to follow the vision. I'm going to follow the why. And God, may you begin to reveal yourself to them in new ways. And God, I pray for the individual who's been here, who's kind of been sitting on the sidelines and say, hey, I kind of like this church. I like what's going on. I like the teaching. I like the music. I like the environment. Lord, allow them to leave the fringes and enter the game. Allow them to plug in. So that they can also be a light bearer amongst the light. And God, as we're going into a baptism today, maybe there's somebody in here. They've been wrestling with this decision of baptism or not being baptized. Or they're like, man, I was baptized when I was two. Or I was baptized as an infant. Or I was baptized when I was eight years old. It really didn't make sense to me. And should I really get baptized again? Uh, Does that really matter for me? Lord, uh, allow them to understand that baptism is a personal thing. And it's a thing that's done when we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ when we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that Jesus Lord the next step is being baptized into the body of Christ and becoming one with Jesus through baptism so maybe there's one maybe there's one more individual in here Lord that is saying I want to be baptized too I'm tired of running I'm tired of making excuses I'm ready today If you're in here, all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. If today you want to make a decision to be baptized along with your brothers and sisters who are about to be baptized today, we want to invite you to make that step. So I'm just going to ask you to just slip up your hand. Slip up your hand slowly. We're... we're here for you. We've got towels, we've got shorts, we've got t-shirts. If you're in this place,
place, I'll say, don't, don't fight the voice. Shut out all the voices in your head. We want to give you this opportunity to join the light. I'm going to let this go for about 30 more seconds. I see your hand. We're going to let this go for about 30 more seconds. If you're in here and you're saying, you know what? I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I want to be connected to the source and I want people to walk with me. We want you just to go ahead and slip your hand up. We'll give you 10 more seconds. God is doing something in your heart. Hey, while everybody says their eyes are closed, the individual who just raised their hand, if you would just slip out and go through the back door, Pastor Derek is going to meet you in the cafe. God, thank you so much for the decisions that have been made to follow you. Thank you so much for the decisions that have been made to be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, to join the light, to be a part of the mission. God, I pray that you may seal these decisions with your Holy Spirit. And God, for anyone else who's still wrestling, who's still struggling, God, I pray that you will just continue to work on their hearts. And for everybody else who's walking with you, Lord, we're praying that they will continue to be light bearers in their homes, in their communities, in their schools, in their jobs. And God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Change the atmosphere of our hearts in Jesus' name.